Hi everybody and welcome to Habits and Hustle. On today's episode, we have Samantha Daniels. Samantha might be a matchmaker, but there is no match for her. Samantha's story is quite interesting because she started as a corporate lawyer and pivoted to her current career. If you're single and still wondering why you haven't found that right person, today's the episode for you. It might help you understand why. And if you're not single, listen anyway. She gave me some new insight into the way people think. We also talk about the 85% rule, why opposites actually don't attract, dating apps, and the difference between the New York and Los Angeles scenes. And she also shares some great tips for meeting people at parties. All in all, it's a great episode for anybody. So stay tuned and enjoy. Guys, so today we have Samantha Daniels, who uh, before Tinder, before Plenty of Fish and every other major dating app out there, there was this lady who is the pioneer of uh, matchmaking. She has a company called Samantha's Table that's been around for 20 years, right? Almost 20 years, yep. Both in LA and New York, and she is the maven of all mavens. Oh, thank you. You're welcome on how dating should be, the ins and outs of it, and everything in between. So welcome, Samantha Daniels. Thank you, Jen. Thank I'm you. Glad to be here. Very excited. Well, I'm very excited too. I think that you would be a, a wealth of information in this in this space where I feel like everybody seems to be looking for love in all the wrong places. Um, now they think it's the right places. And they think it's the right places. Exactly. <laughs> so I guess like my first my my first question is how has, you know, since apps have become like the new way of meeting people and, and technology with the Tinders, like I said, and, and all the other apps, how has that really affected how people interact and date in, in our culture now? Well, I think it's given people a lot more choices and that sounds like a good thing, but it's actually a bad thing Mm -hmm. because the more choices you have, then you can't really settle on anyone. And it's not about settling, like saying, oh, I'm going to take somebody we don't like. It's more like standing in place and noticing people who are in front of you because you think to yourself, oh, there could be someone interesting tomorrow. There could be someone interesting next Tuesday. There could always be someone else. And so it makes people not want to get into serious relationships. No, I agree. You know, my my mother would always say to me um, as a kid, that like sometimes you know too many cho- you end up you, too many choices and you end up with nothing exactly. right because you're so overwhelmed exactly. with everything out there that it becomes too much and like you know that's why when you have like a little grocery store like a little mom pop grocery store down the street versus like the big WalMarts of the world right you just you go you get your bread you get your eggs and that's what you get you don't get overwhelmed and awe shocked kind of right. thing sometimes people will say I'll contact them and I'll say are you dating anyone and they'll say well I'm dating a few people and my immediate response is if you're dating more than one you have none right because if it's more than one then it's not serious then it just means like you're dating around if you're in a relationship you're with one person it's monogamous that's what we tend to do. Right. At least in the United States. Right. So how so. Do, how do you do that? Like how do you then because of because of how everything has evolved and because of technolo- technology is not going anywhere. And you do I do notice and you pay, you probably have a big stat on this statistic, but how many more people are single and unhappy, let's say, not to say because you're single you're unhappy, but like lonely and single now versus 
I don't know, 15 years ago. Is there a stat like that? Or? I think that it's actually more or less the same. I just think they're having different emotions because I think that they can, today, they can kind of trick themselves into thinking that they're actually with somebody or that they actually have a very active social life. Right. Because with all these apps, you could have a date every night of the week. Right. And if it's not working, you go home, you look on it again, you find another person, another person, another person. And so you can make yourself think, oh, I'm very popular, I'm very social, I meet people all the time, I have places to go, but that doesn't really mean anything if you're not in a real relationship. I mean, it takes more than just a first date to get married. There's a long runway there. They have to go through a lot of steps. Right. You have to go through a lot of dates. You have to go through a lot of blowjobs yeah. before you can get to the marriage finish line, right? That's so, so true. No, I love that. It's so true though, because I feel like what happens, you know, with my, with my friends who are single, especially, like, especially my guy friends, and if they're like an eligible guy right? Or suitors or like seems to be like an eligible, even not eligible, to be honest, just people who are single going out there, even if they go on a good date, uh, it's like they meet them off Tinder. There's nothing afterwards. Like they go, they have a good time and yet they go right back and they swipe left right. or whatever they're doing. Right. So it doesn't even resonate. So like, right. even if someone's the best person, like you said, in front of you, it, do it doesn't even matter anymore because the options always supersede everything else. So then like how... What do people, okay, so what, what, what are some tips or tricks that you would say you give people to kind of try to break that cycle? Well, I think that you have to really stand in place and look at the person in front of you. A lot of people are thinking about their perfect person. And if they go on a date and they don't think that the person standing in front of them is exactly perfect, then they don't give the person in front of them a chance. Right. And the truth is, is that no one is going to be perfect. I have something called my 85% rule. Okay. And what that is, is if you meet somebody and they're 85% of the things that you're looking for, then my theory is you should actually be running to the altar with that person because 85% is really good. Right. But what happens with a lot of people who are highly successful and highly competitive people, they want or they think that they can get 95 or 100%. Mm -hmm. So they're sitting with 85%, which is great, and they don't accept 85%, so they throw it back and they pull somebody else, and guess what? That next person is just 85% again, right. just a different 85%, and it keeps happening and happening and happening. So eventually, you have to think to yourself, what are the few things that are the most important to me? And you focus on those things, and then you leave the rest open open to connection, open to chemistry, open to let's go the distance and see what happens. Because if you're sitting there with a laundry list of things that you need in a person, mm -hmm. you're never going to satisfy the laundry list. You're just going to keep getting older and older and you're just going to keep staying alone and alone and alone and you're just on a hamster wheel. Right, right. So are there differences between men and women's dating patterns? What would you say? Number one, would you say there is differences between what women do by mistake or mistakenly or men do, or is it the same? I think that there are differences and there's similarities. Men are very, very physical. So a man needs to sit down right. at a table and from the moment he sits down, he needs to look across at the woman and say to himself, I could have sex with her. She doesn't have to be his supermodel. She doesn't have to be the perfect person, but he needs to think to himself that he could be physical with her, that he could be romantic with her, that right. something could happen. And if he feels that way, then he'll give her a chance. So that's a guy. Okay. Some women are like that. 
but most women are more open to the connection, the feeling of sitting down with somebody and having things in common with them, having a great conversation, a great banter, realizing that they grew up in the same town, that they have friends in common, those sort of things. So a woman can sit down at the table, look at the guy and think, oh, I don't really think he's attractive. And then they're sitting there and they start connecting and then she looks up from her salad and she thinks, oh yeah, he's not so bad, right. I could like him. So that's one of the major differences. I would say another thing is that women are very quick to judge the man. He's not exactly perfect. The fantasy guy she has in her head and she dismisses. Right. Men are more like, okay, you know, they're more chill about it. They say, okay, I'll see what she has going on. They don't have as big of a list. Right. It's physical first, and then they're willing to see what happens. Right. So that's a big difference. So guys like the physical. Girl, I think girls like the emotional, for sure. But I think also women, though, want security. Mm-hmm. And if the guy... like gr- Women are way more lenient... And I don't care if people agree with me or disagree. I think this is what, this is my personal opinion. It's like if a guy has a lot of money and has a certain lifestyle and all the other bells and whistles, they will be much more lenient on other things, right? Versus, you know, a guy, I feel like if the girl's super hot, that's what he's, he'll be lenient on everything else. Well, that's basically how it would work. Well, I think think both of those things are huge stereotypes. And I think that to some degree that's true. So a guy will give a girl who's super hot a chance, but then when he discovers four weeks in that she's out of her mind, then she's not so super hot anymore. But he'll justify it for a while. Yes, he will justify it for a while. There'll be huge rationalizations. All of his friends will say, dude, you've got to get rid of this girl. She's like out of her tree. Right. And then the guy says, no, but she's this, but she's that. And he makes a lot of excuses until it gets really bad. Right. And then when it gets really bad, he has no choice but to get rid of her. But guess what? The next super hot girl that comes along, he's right back in it with the same, a different super hot girl who's maybe a little crazy. So I think that men definitely like a little crazy crazy. They like super hot, but when they finally decide that they want to get married, then if they're smart guy, they take a step back and they say, could this woman be the mother of my children? Right. And that's the big differentiator. That's what makes the guy hesitate to actually marry the super hot, crazy girl. Some do anyway, but if they're really trying to be a good family man and look out for future children, Sometimes that's just the girl for right now instead of the girl forever. Forever. And like you've been doing this, like I said, a long time, like 20 years. And you've had quite a career doing this, right? Like Darren Starr, Darren Starr did a a show Mm -hmm. on Samantha uh, called Mismatched, right? Where Alicia Silverstone played you, right? For what, one season or two seasons? It was for one one season on NBC. One season. She was nominated for a Golden Globe and it was a great show. Not too shabby. (laughs) So she's been doing this a while and... Like I said, you've seen you've seen a lot. Is there any any crazy stories that you want to share with us that are outlandish about dating that you've seen, like someone do or I don't know, something that's kind of crazy. <laughs> I've seen so many stories yeah, I wouldn't even know I, where to start. I mean, I think that generally speaking, the things that always throw me are when people are so picky. You know, they come to me like I remember I had this one guy And he was set up with this woman when he was younger through their families were friends. Mm -hmm. And so he really had no choice. He was in the family business. He had to marry this woman because his mother was very controlling. His mother passed away and he came to meet with me and he said, now that my mother's gone, 
I've, I'm getting a divorce, so I've just got a divorce, and now I want to choose exactly who I want. I mm-hmm. said, okay, I figured, you know, he would have some qualifications, you know, right. maybe five, six things he wanted. He said that the only thing that he wanted was a woman, a blonde woman who was 5'10". She couldn't be 5'9". She couldn't be 5'11". He ha- she had to be 5'10". Why? I have no idea. He didn't really have an okay. explanation for it. But this was concerning for me because it's not like when I meet with a woman, I bring a measuring tape. Right, right, right. I'm like, can you take off your shoes, wet your hair, make sure it's flat and let me measure you? So I said to him, well, what happens if she's 5'9 and a half or 5'11 or whatever? I mean, to me, you're asking for a tall blonde. Right. Why can't it just be a tall blonde? Why can't we have, you know, from this height to this height? No, it had to be 5'10. So when people like that come to me, I think that they're a little nutty. And right. I don't want to work with someone like that because clearly they're not really in a place where they're looking for a real relationship. Right. Because exactly. I mean, I'm married, you're married, you know that when you're with somebody, the person that you're with has some of the qualifications and some of the specifications that you want dead on. And then they have a lot of things that aren't exactly dead on for you and you figure right. it out because that's a relationship. Some days you love them, some days you hate them. Sometimes it's everywhere in between. That's for sure. So yes. if you're not realistic and you're really coming with these ridiculous requests, to me it just says you're not a real person, you're not a deep person, you're not looking for a real relationship. Right. And my business is about helping people find love, helping people get married, helping people have a real relationship. It's kind of very true. So in a lot of ways, as many things have changed, a lot of things have still stayed the same, right? How what people want, like what a girl wants, what a guy wants. I think those things are still pretty traditional. Like right? girl, like we just said, like guys like girl looks with this or women like that. So even with the, the different way of finding love, so to speak, has changed, I think the core of what dating is, a, what people want yep. is still the same, right? So what, what's the difference? Let's say just what's, what would be the difference of we know what happens on like on, let's say, Tinder or a dating app, but what's your process? Like if I was somebody, like what do you look for in a client, basically? So basically I work with very busy, very successful people. So people who don't have time to be on these dating apps or who don't want to. They want somebody like me to be very strategic for them and find them exactly who they're looking for. So they're almost looking to me as that special friend who gets to know them really well, has a gigantic database of people because I have about over 50,000 people in my database. So if a guy comes to me and he says, I want this, 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 and this, and I get to know him, he feels comfortable with me, he understands that I know what he's talking about and that I understand when he says that he wants somebody who's intelligent, I say, well, is that street smart or does that have to be Mm. intellectual? You know, I understand all his definitions, right? Because for me, if I don't understand your definitions and you don't think that we relate on the same level, Mm -hmm. then how am I going to set you up with the right person? Right. So he needs to really feel that, which means that we almost feel like friends. And then I have this gigantic database to choose from, and then I'm setting him up. So I'm the go-between, almost like a manager and agent. You know, we're sitting here in LA, all the people who work in entertainment, everybody has a manager, everybody has an agent. So those people, managers and agents, are really presenting their clients for jobs and for prospects. And that's really what I'm doing. I'm his representative to say, this is the guy that I'm working with and I never use full names. It's more just first names and a broad description enough to make the woman interested in meeting him, but not so much that she can go Google him because I don't like Google being the first, second and third date. I like people to meet in person and see how it goes. How do you, how do you, so 
by you just not giving the person. So you just don't give names, right? I don't give now- full names. I give first names. So I'll say, I want you to meet Jonathan. He's this, 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 and this. He's from here. This is what he looks like. This is what he does for a living. These are his hobbies. This is what his personality is like. And then I will explain to the woman, this is why I think you would be a good match for him. And so what I'm doing is, is I'm thinking about what do these two people have in common? Because I'm all about commonalities. I really don't believe that opposites attract. I think that there can be kernels of opposites attract in your relationship, but it can't be based 100% on an opposite attraction kind of thing. So I'm introducing two people that have a ton in common, and then two people who I think will have chemistry. But chemistry is the intangible. I can't know that. So all I can do is put two people in front of each other who I think will hit it off, and then either they hit it off like gangbusters, and the next day they're like, oh, we were out for seven hours, or they contact me and they say, I understand why you thought of that person for me, because we did have a lot in common, but for whatever reason, you know, we didn't have the chemistry, and I'd like someone else. Right, right, you know, right. So I've had clients who've gotten married from the first woman I set them up with, or the first man I've set them up with, and I've had people that I've set up many, many, many times and it just hasn't happened, but they feel very comfortable with my picking process and they know that I'm very strategic for them and I understand what they're looking for and I can help them. And so they like that. Right. You know, I mean, people are busy. It's dating and finding someone is a full-time job. And those dating apps, they take a lot of time. And the biggest- They do, a lot of time. Yeah. And And it's also a time suck because because when I see my friends, I like to go on there myself and just check it out too. Like, and I I look up and it could be like forty five minutes is gone, and just for me swiping random strangers because it is very addictive. It's that like visual eye candy, you know. And the other problem with it is that a lot of people start conversations and they don't go anywhere. Right. So if you look in some of you know, I have a lot of friends who use the dating apps because I tell people when I was younger, when I was in fifth grade, my grandmother always told me that if you get invited, you go because you never know who you're going to meet. Right. And I think that these dating apps are kind of the virtual, you never know who you're going to meet. So I tell people, use them. Like if you have the time, use them. There's no harm in doing it. You never know who you're going to meet. Right. But so I see them interacting with so many people. You can look at the DMs on the phone and it could be like 50, 60, 70 little starts of conversations that don't go anywhere. And then literally you have to make a chart to keep track of all the people because you don't know who they are because someday, you know, you're back and forth and back and forth and you're trying to make plans with the person and the person's traveling. Let's talk next week. But by next week, there's 40 other people in the DM thing. So you don't even remember the person from last week and it just keeps going and going and going and going. It's crazy. So what I do is you hire me and I take care of it for you. I do the screening. I come up with who you want and then I do the whole date and I tell you where to go and when to show up. So it's a very different process. It's like the Rolls Royce of dating as opposed to like the Ford, yeah. which is the dating app. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I got that's you. The way it is. That makes sense though. So give us a couple. I'm just, even though I, I'm married, but I'm still very. <laughs> Everyone's I'm, always fascinated. You know, I'm always very, I am fascinated, but I think it's very fascinating. Not to mention, I also have, as you know, I have my own breast cancer charity and me and my best friend started called Babes for Boobs. And the reason why I'm bringing it up is we, we auction off eligible guys um, and all the money that we raise it goes to cancer. So I'm very, I'm, I'm very familiar of how this whole dating thing works. Even though we're not, it's tongue in cheek. It's amazing how I, the the psychology and how I see the men and women acting toward towards each other. But people think I'm a matchmaker. They call me because of all the eligible guys. But the reason why that's why I'm curious. What are the three, the three um, best dat- dating strategies that you can give? 
give us? Not one, three. Not <laughs> three, to put you on the spot. Three dating strategies. Well, yes. the first thing is, is that I tell people that it's okay to turn down dates. I think that a lot of single people think that they're just supposed to accept every single date that's put in front of them because mm, okay. <clears throat> if you throw enough spaghetti against the wall, something will right. stick. But what I say to people is, is that you have to be a little picky when you're dating because if you go on too many dates and they're really bad, then you start having this really negative energy and you start feeling very unhappy in your dating life. And then when a good person comes along, you can't even see them because you're just in so much such a negative place. That's a good one because I thought what you were going to say is the opposite. You said <laughs> your grandmother told you, and this is my my thing also, that you go where you, you never you you lead with yes because you never know what other what who who could be a conduit somewhere else. Yes, and that's true. So you have to straddle those positions, okay, right? How? So you yes. have to be able to be willing to meet. Like my grandmother said, you get invited, you go because you never know who you're going to meet. Right? But then you also need to know enough about yourself. And be discerning enough mm. that every once in a while, when you know that that person's not going to be for you for whatever reason, when they have a, a deal breaker. So if you want to, if you're a woman and you want to have children, and someone's setting you up mm. with a guy who already has kids or who doesn't want kids, and full stop, he says, "I'm not having more kids," or even he's had a vasectomy. Don't sit there saying to yourself, oh, well, he could have a reverse vasectomy, yeah. you know? Like, there's enough guys out there that somebody who has a deal-breaker characteristic in their background, if you're playing the odds, it doesn't make sense to spend your time going out with someone like that, falling in love with someone like that, if you don't think it's going to go anywhere. You know, if someone's setting you up or you meet somebody who's kind of in a relationship, why do you want to be with someone who's kind of in a relationship? Right, right. You want to be with someone who's available, right? right? Because when they're kind of in a relationship, they could kind of get more serious in that relationship and you could kind of be falling in love yeah. with them. And so then what? You're kind of screwed. Yes. So you don't want to be That's in good. that kind of situation, right? So you have to be able to know that in your head that you have, you know, three, four deal breakers. And if somebody crosses your desk, your dating desk, yes. and they have one of those deal breakers, you have to be able to say no. No. Then you have to be open to saying yes, right? So somebody crosses your desk and they have some things that you're not really sure about, but they're not deal breakers. Then you have to say, okay, I'll go and, and see how it is. Right. You know, so that's the, I guess those are kind of two pieces of advice that go into one. Another thing I would say to you is that you have to let people in your life know that you're dating and that you want to meet somebody. I always say this to people and people always say to me, oh, my friends know that I want to meet someone. Everybody in the world is very consumed in their own stuff. So as much as you think that your friends are looking out for you and are thinking about who's good for you, they're really not because they're paying attention to like what's going on in their family and what's going on with their kids and their work and all the other things that are going on and they don't have that much time. So you need to figure out a way to actually let people know that not only are you dating and you're available, but you actually want them to set you up because a lot of your friends think, oh, She's fabulous. He's so successful and so interesting. They have so many choices. They don't want me to suggest, or they might be offended if I suggest. So you need to let people know, actually, I want you to set me up. I'm open to you making suggestions, or otherwise they might not. Those are good. Do you think Wait, that... and I have one more. Oh, wow. Keep on going. I like them. <laughs> no, hey, this, this, is, this, is, this is one that I've been telling a lot of people recently. When you go on a date, you need to think about what you might be doing on the date that might be negative, that might turn somebody off. And you need to make sure that that thing 
is kind of dismissed away during the course of the date. So let's say you're a woman and you're very, very social. You're out there all the time. You get invited to things. Maybe people take mm. photographs of you. You're always on social media. You're here, there, and everywhere. That's great. And you have a certain personality and there'll be certain guys who really gravitate towards that because you're type A, all fun and whatever. But you also need to let the guy know if this is your essence, that you want to get married, that you want to have children, that you actually can cook, that you like to stay home on Sundays and chill. Like you have to be able to let the guy know that you have another side to you. And a lot of times people don't know that. So they go out and they put out exactly what they think is so fabulous. And then they forget about all the other stuff. And then time and time again, the guy's not calling back or the girl doesn't want to go out again and the person doesn't understand why, a lot of times it's because you're not letting the person see the other side of you. Yeah. You know, you're only letting them see the persona instead of like the real person, just like the chill person who hangs out at home, who's really close to your family, who wants to have children, you know, who's just more of a traditional person because when people are thinking about getting married, they want that too. Yeah. You know, they want to be able to Absolutely. connect like that. I always say, I find that I, what I notice a lot, and this is a pattern I've seen, it's the same people who always get married and date, and it's, just, and it's the same people who are always single. That's right. That's right. I've seen so many situations where I'll see a woman who dates, get engaged, gets engaged, gets married, gets divorced, get engaged, and gets married again right. before another woman will be in like a two-month relationship. Right. So the woman will have been able to get married two times. When another, when all these other people can't even get into a relationship for two months. And I believe that there are marrying kind of people and single kind of people. And if you're a marrying kind of person, then you tend to get married. And if you're a single kind of person and you want to get married, then you have to figure out how to move in the direction towards becoming a marrying person. And you need to be able to say to yourself and maybe somebody that you're getting involved with, I'm a little scared of this. Like you have to be a little vulnerable and let somebody know like this might not be my true essence. Right. I'm an independent person. I've been living alone for a long time. I'm scared to see you every single day. I'm scared to move in with you because let's say we don't have anything to talk about over dinner. Right. Is that going to freak me out? Let's say I don't want to talk to you for five hours. Is that okay? You know, like people have a lot of drama going on in their head. Yes, 100%. And so if you have a lot of conversation about it, you can say, hey, you know, I'm scared. And then if the other person loves you or is into you, right. he or she might say, well, I'm scared too. And then you kind of figure out how to make it work. Well, I also find like, you know, just a kind of two things. My first thing is with everything now being about women's empowerment and um, being, it's a really big movement and philosophy and whatever right now. Do you think that's changed how women date? And do you think that also people don't want to get, women would prefer to be by themselves or not get married as less than, than they used to be like 10 years ago, 20 years ago. I think like that the evolution of a woman, I'm going to put this to different, like how the, how like societal standards have now been shifted a little bit to being much more about women being independent. And like I said, much more empowered not to just get married for the sake of getting married, but do it because they want to. So do you think that women are now less, less likely than they were 20 years ago? You know, I think that wanting to get married is just an inherent thing that most women want to do. They want to be a mom. They want to be a wife. They want to get married. So Is I, it more society pushing it like that, you think? Or no, do you think it's no. more about... I think that it's about 
how women feel right. and that they want the security and that they want to have a family and they want to have children and they want all of that. I think that the empowerment and everything that's been happening um, with the Me Too movement has actually affected men in their dating mm. in some ways, a little bit in different ways, because I think they're that men... They're scared. Right. They're pet, a lot of them are very scared, and I don't blame them. I mean, they should be very scared, because I think that they're put into a circumstance where it's very difficult to follow mm -hmm. signals and to understand exactly what's going on on a date. And so, whereas you used to be able to just meet somebody and have this organic connection. And if it ended up in the bedroom, it ended up in the bedroom. Mm -hmm. Today, you can't really let it end up in the bedroom because you don't really know what's going to come afterwards. You know, So you kind of have to be on your guard a little bit. I think that with women, they feel very, women feel empowered, but in a different way, just to feel confident about themselves, that they want to be an independent woman who finds an independent man. You know, So I don't think like you had said earlier, well, are women just looking for security or if he's a really successful guy, will she give him an extra chance and all of that? Maybe on date one and date two, but I think that women are feeling much more independent that they can take care of themselves mm -hmm. so they're not willing to settle as much for right. so much crap just because right. the guy has so much money. You know, it's, it's not really about that anymore. It depends on the woman. Of course, there's lots of women out there who all they care about is landing the wealthy guy. Right. But I think that for independent, educated, working women, they want to be with a partner, you know, and they want to meet a man who also wants to be with a partner to have an equal relationship. Oh, where, absolutely. You know, I mean, that's what I have with my husband. That's what you have with yours. I think that most of our friends are in relationships with people who they're partners and they're not just a man and a woman, but some things the woman takes care of, some things the man takes care of. It's like a give and take every single day. I hear you. I think though, um, Women, though, who are successful and strong and independent sometimes want a partner. Women. I think men who are usually, not always, so this is just sometimes, yeah. a lot, but a lot of times, men who are very successful, very rich, want young girls who not necessarily are equals, but people who are nice arm candy. And sometimes. I don't care, and maybe that's not PC to say this and PC to say that, but that is what I see especially in Los Angeles and big metropolitan cities that like they, it's like kind of like a rite of passage in a way to go with someone. Young. And I think that's, there is a major difference between what a successful woman wants and what a successful man wants. Right. There's always, always, um, there's, that's not an absolute. There's always exceptions to every rule, but I think as a whole, that is the reality. Well, I think that it depends on the guy. I think that there's certain right. guys... Everything always depends on the guy or the girl. But right. as a... Like I said, nothing's an absolute. But, I mean, if we're, yeah, being, there if are we're being plenty, real... There are plenty of men that are like that. There are plenty of men who only want to go out with a really hot girl. They want the no, relationship... No, no, the, the, wait, to, the caveat, not to interrupt you, is when the, if, when the guy is very successful and makes a lot of money... They feel like that, that they should have a young, they want the young, da, 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 hot girl. They're not looking for, not, not always the equal partner. That's what I meant. Not, not just some ran, not random guys. No, no, but, no. I know. agree with you. If a guy is very successful 
and has a lot going on and very wealthy, then yes, sometimes he likes the idea of being with a young hot woman who totally looks up to him where it's that kind of relationship where he rules the roost and he takes care of everything and she's just there looking pretty and all of that. I think that that happens. And when a guy comes to me and he says that that's something mm -hmm. that he wants, of course I can deliver that. I mean, my offices right. are in New York and Los Angeles. There's a million beautiful young girls who are willing to go out with very successful, um, very wealthy guys. But then there's also guys who come to me who have done that already. And they've realized that it doesn't mm, satisfy right. them enough. And that it's not something that they want for long term. They've or seen when the light. <laughs> right. When they're about to get married. So a lot of them will go so far as to get engaged to that girl. But then they're engaged for six months. Mm -hmm. They're engaged for a year. They're engaged for two years. They're engaged for three years. They're engaged for a long time. Right. Because they're scared and they know deep down that this is not the woman that they're supposed to marry. That this is not the woman who's going to be the mother of their children. So one after the other, they wind up breaking up and then they come to me and they say, I've been there. I've done that. I've done the arm candy. I dated the Ford supermodel. I went out with the actress. I did this. I did that. But, you know, she arrived off the bus from wherever <laughs> and she doesn't have a college degree and she doesn't understand anything I'm talking about. And I'm embarrassed when I bring her around my friends and she drinks too much and she's out partying till three o'clock in the morning and all she cares about is my money and blah, blah, blah. I need somebody different who is somebody who I'd want to marry. So they still say she needs to be hot, but now she doesn't need to be supermodel hot. She needs to be hot. Real person hot. Real person hot, where right. it can be somebody who he connects with and who he wants to get married to. And that's a different situation. Fair enough. I, but then there's still some that just want the super hot. Okay, so okay. It just depends. All right, so just fair <laughs> enough. Okay, that makes sense though to me. Now, I guess... How did you even become this person? Because that, like I said, was 20 years ago. It wasn't like the, it wasn't the cool, hot, trendy thing. No, it was not. You know, where, like, what was your story? How did you kind of become the, the matchmaker? So when I started my America. matchmaking business, the only people who used matchmakers were the desperate and the lonely. Like the, if right. you were using a matchmaker, there were a few out there. It was because you hadn't been on a date in a year and a half and you were shut in and you couldn't meet anyone <laughs> and whatever. And um, I was a divorce attorney, actually. So I was helping, oh. I had a law degree. I was helping people break up their marriage, you know, helping them yeah. get out of marriages that they weren't happy with. And um, at the same time, I knew a lot of people. So I was throwing parties for my single friends. And at the parties, I started realizing that I had this photographic memory for names and faces and little factoids about the people. And so I would see a woman on one side of the room who was from Chicago and she liked to play tennis. And then this guy on the other side of the room and he was from there as well. And I'd grab them and bring them together and be like, you two should talk. Really? And then I would wind up hearing that they would get into a relationship. They would get engaged. They would get married. And it kept happening again and again. I kept throwing these parties at the time. I was charging $5 for people to come to the parties. My my friends and I were sitting on my bed handwriting postcards to send them out to people to get people to come because it wasn't like there was email and there was all those right. things. I mean, this was 20 years ago. And we would put the stamps on the postcards and mail them out. Then eventually we learned that you could get these stickers and put them in a printer and print out from a typewriter, you know, the addresses. Right, right, so right. this is really old school. People kept coming to the events, people kept getting into relationships, getting married, and people kept saying to me, you should really do something with this, this would be a cool business, blah, blah, blah. So I became very fascinated with it, very fascinated with 
what made people tick, what made them get along, all of that. And so I started the business. Um, initially, I called it Table for Two or More. And the reason why I called it that was because I decided that I was either going to send people on one-on-one -on -one dates mm -hmm. or I was going to send them on small group dinners where I would have like four men and four women sit at a table and meet each other. Oh. And the reason why I did that was because I was so worried that people were going to be so anti-matchmaking that I thought that I was giving them a lie that they could tell their friends. And basically they could say, I joined an eating club. I get to go out with people, I get to eat in cool restaurants, and I get to meet people, and I figured that would be like their backdoor way into working with me. That's really smart. <laughs> That's clever. So I did that, yeah, and it was amazing because nobody really wanted the group dates. And little by little, I started getting clients, matchmaking clients, who wanted me to be setting them up one-on-one, -on -one, and I wound up um, getting an article in New York Magazine um, where it was like this glowing article about me and my business. And the woman who wrote it went on and on and on talking about how exclusive it was and how it was so exclusive that the phone number was even unlisted. And the reason why it was unlisted, unbeknownst to her, was because my business was so new that I hadn't even listed it yet. Oh but she made it seem like it was so fabulous that by when the article came out, yeah. the first day, I wound up getting over 600 phone calls from people who wanted to meet with me. And at that point, I was meeting with people for free. And I'm getting call after call after call, leaving messages on my answering machine, because wow. it was answering machines. Uh, yeah. And I didn't know what to do. So I called up my self-appointed business advisor, a friend of mine who went to Harvard. Okay. And I said, hey, you've now become my self-appointed business advisor. What am I supposed to do? I'm sitting with all these people who want to meet with me. What am I supposed to do? He said, the next 10 people you call back, you tell them that it's $250 to meet with you and see what they say. They started calling people back. Oh, blah, blah, blah. And if you want to meet with me, it's $250. At the time, I was only charging $1,000 for, for the whole thing. Right. So $250 was a lot of money. Everyone said, no problem. I get to the end of the day, called them back. I'm like, this is not working. Everyone is saying, that's fine. So then I started charging $400. So he said, call people back and say $400. So that's how I started my business. And for the or, next, yeah. yeah, for the next three months, I was meeting with six, seven people a day and my business just started rolling and I started doing television interviews about dating and relationships and I would go on shows and they would say, have you ever done live TV before? No. Yes, I have. Of course yes. I have. <laughs> you know, and so then they would say, okay, you know where to look, right? And in my head, I'm like, I don't know where to look. Right. And then I, oh, of course I know where to look because you have to fake yeah. it until you make it. And so that's what I was doing. And Absolutely. eventually I knew I could do it. And that's how I started my business. Wow. So like, you know, I, I had Samantha, not because not only to have great dating advice, but because she's like a naturally born hustler. Like she started this business, like I said, before anybody else. And she, she, she hustled. I mean, she had to figure it out. And then you had the, you had the New York magazine that, that basically that, that article kind of was that breakthrough moment for you in a way where that kind of like made everything kind of like take it to the next level, That's right? right. But I had to pitch it but and you I had to fake it to get the article. A hundred percent. So that I could get it, so that I could take my business to where I knew it could go. So it was more about what was in my head that I knew that I could be successful at this. And so I was already at the end and I had to figure out the means to get there. Right. So I started hustling to get there. To get there. And the <clears throat> you come by it honestly, like being a divorce lawyer, number one. I <laughs> that, mean, other <laughs> people would beg to differ well, on no, the Well, no, I would say you meet a lot of single people, right? Because mm -hmm. once they're divorced, they're now officially <clears throat> single. 
Obviously, you had the intelligence and the yeah, savviness. Yeah, no, I never turned the divorce clients into the matchmaking. That was, that was my clients. question. No. Did you ever? Did you ever double dip? Like the people that you were representing or met on the other end, were they ever your clients? I mean, maybe later, you know, five, seven, eight years. So later, they were sometimes. Yeah, occasionally people will come back to me and say, "Remember, you know, I had been doing the divorce, uh, the divorce work for a short time, right?" Um, and then eventually they would come back, but it was more just people who I had met over the course of doing right. things. I always was a natural connector. Right. I always was meeting people and everywhere. When I remember people, I was right. really good um, at capture. Yeah. You know, immediately when you meet somebody, you have to figure out how to get their information and move on. Like this is another piece of advice I give people who are dating. If you go out to a party and you start talking to somebody who you like, you need to figure out a way for them to get your information, for you to get their information, and then for you to move on. Because if you spend an hour talking to them, it's only diminished return from that point because you can screw it up there. You really want to sit down one-on-one and you're at an, an event or somewhere where you could be meeting other people. So you don't want to continue on in the conversation. You want to get out of that environment and go sit and have a date with somebody. That's a great piece of advice. So how long would you say the maximum amount of time is to sit with somebody? At a, like at a party? Yeah. <clears throat> I know I'm like losing. That <clears throat> like you said, before it becomes a diminished return. You know, it depends on the circumstances, but if you can get to, oh, it's been so great to meet you. Are you on Facebook? Let's connect. Or, oh, Facebook. we should exchange. <laughs> yeah. Facebook is innocent, yeah. right? So, so not all, not every guy is on Instagram. So girls very quickly want to, you know, exchange on Instagram, but not every man is on Instagram. So when Can't you just easy, ask for a phone number? You can, but that's more aggressive, right? So if you're a woman and you want to figure out a way to be in touch with the guy afterwards and not seem too aggressive, Facebook is more neutral. Okay. So you say, oh, it was so great to meet you. I need to go find my friend, blah, blah, blah. But are you on Facebook? Let's connect. Mm-hmm. And that way you have each other's contact information right away, but you weren't that aggressive to say, oh, could I get your phone number or do you want mine or whatever it is. So then how come... Did you, did you ever date the guys you met? Because you were so good at it. You had a database of um, 50,000. How many of the guys did you actually end up dating yourself? So it was an interesting situation because what would happen is, is the guys would come to meet with me. Uh-huh. They usually sit with people for between an hour and two hours. And during that time, they would tell me every single thing about themselves and a lot of really <laughs> negative stuff. So they might walk in and I would look at them and I'm like, yeah, hot guy, you know, and then I, they would fill out a questionnaire and I would yeah. see like all their stats and mm, he could be interesting. You know, I'm single in my head. Right. And then he starts talking, starts vomiting really bad stuff yes. about himself, you know, how he had all these problems in the relationship, how he has, you know, an erectile dysfunction, <laughs> how he's really kinky in the bedroom, <laughs> how his wife left him, how his wife cheated on him, you know, how he doesn't have a relationship with his mother, like all these negative things. Right. And by the end, I'm like, not interested. Right. That doesn't mean that they're not good guys and they couldn't be good for someone else. Right. I mean, it's not like I hear somebody awful and then I'm like, oh, you should go out with him. But they're I mean, airing clearly, their dirty laundry. Right. Too, too much too soon. You yeah. know, what happens when you're dating is that you need to keep your dirty laundry till like the third or the fourth or the fifth date. Because if you tell it on the first date, nobody is giving you a chance because they hear it. So, well, you know, Chris Rock says like, you know, your date, you go out with your the sales rep of who you are, your representative right, for a long time. Yeah. Until eventually. Well, if you're smart about it, right? Because if you're not smart about it, I mean, this is, this is what I love. So when 
people are divorced, okay? So I'll say to somebody who I start working with who's divorced, when you go on the date, first date, do not talk about your divorce. Don't do it, right. right? Don't talk about your divorce. It's too negative. It's too heavy. On the first date, you're supposed to talk about fun things. You're supposed to get to know each other. You're not supposed to talk about the past. You're not supposed to talk about past relationships, whatever it is. So the person says, okay, I won't do it. Are you sure you're not going to do it? I'm giving you very strong advice. Do not talk about your divorce. Okay, fine. Yeah. So then they go on the divorce and the per- they go on the date. And then the person sitting across from them is also divorced and somehow starts talking about his divorce, right? <laughs> so then the woman who I gave explicit instructions, do not talk about your divorce, starts talking about her divorce because she's like, oh, well, he opened it up and I want us to bond and we have that in common, blah, blah, blah. Right. So she starts talking about the divorce. So the whole night becomes negative and it becomes about their exes instead of getting to know them. Yes. And the next day, say to the guy, how was it? I didn't like her. All she did was talk about her divorce all night. Well, she told me that you brought up your divorce first. That's not really what happened. But she kept talking about her divorce, and clearly you can tell that she's not over it. So right. I don't want to go out with her again. So it's right. like no matter what these things happen, right. like people, you give them, don't talk about it. You can't talk about anything negative. You can't talk about anything heavy on a first date. You just can't do it. And if you think that you can because you're some special person or because your story is more interesting or because you think this person's crazy about you, then you're kidding yourself. Because when the person goes home the next day, they're like, no, I'm not into that person. I'm not going out with them again. Right. Because people are always polite. Like at, when you're doing, they, they, you, they feign politeness or right. pleasantries when really when they can't wait to get the hell out of it. Right. There. And then they go home and they're like, I'm not going out with that other person. And then on top of that, they had five other dates that week from all these dating apps. And so then they're like, well, what do I need that for? There's five other women who are just much easier and they're also hot and sexy. And so I'll go out with them or I'm not going out with that guy who's like having all this work drama because I could go out with a guy who's more stable. Like, what does that mean? You know? So it's on both sides. So I don't tell people to lie. Like you're not lying about who you are. You're just putting your best foot forward. You need to put your best foot forward in the beginning. And then when you have them on the hook, when you know that they like you, then you start letting your stuff come out. Because at that point, the person will rationalize it away and say, oh yeah, well, she did have a tough divorce or she doesn't really get along with her ex, but I'm still open to it because we're having a connection and I really like her and whatever. Oh, he is going through work transition, but he's had made, you know, really, really decent money in the past and he has a great work trajectory and I'm sure he'll get another job. You know, like they'll, they'll, they'll rationalize it away because they like the person, but they won't do it on the first date for sure. No, I agree because like, it's only when they're when they're in already too deep, right? When they're already at that, when they when they kind of pass that tipping, but or they yeah they pass that tipping point, so to speak. Because you're dating so much today that to go out on like four or five dates is a lot of dates. You know, it used to be like in our parents and our grandparents' generation mm-hmm. that you know you got set up most of the mm-hmm. time, and it was usually the girl or the boy next door in the neighborhood, and you gave them a chance. Like you would date them for several months because you never knew who was coming around the bend. So if you didn't give that guy a chance, you didn't know if you'd meet another guy in a month, two months, three months, because it was harder then. You yeah. know, so people, which was a good and a bad thing. So people gave people more of a chance. Today, everybody knows that somebody's coming tomorrow. You know, a new person's coming tomorrow, the next day, the next day. So they're not going to waste their time. No, I think that's true. I, I think 
this is all very good. You, this is you give good dating advice. Thank you. I wish I was single just to kind of like use it. You know, it's really good. You can pass it along to other people. I know you should. Do you, like how do you, do you teach any courses on this, or how do people besides? It's like let's say because you're like you're not a cheap matchmaker. Let's yeah. just kind of call it call a spade a spade. But you have really good advice. Like, are you going to do some kind of course? Do you teach a course? Like, how do people get? nuggets like this so just what like I, tidbits like i mean this has been like a this has been great i mean do you have any other tidbits you can share with people oh i have endless tidbits okay. and so i'm working on an online course right now oh good Perfect. so that's my next big project um i've been working on it and basically what it's going to be is helping people understand who they are more specifically the part that they're playing in the fact that they haven't been able to get married yet okay how about i have a question that i forgot to ask you <laughs> How is there so you a can difference? Watch for that. You can right. <laughs> so between because you were both LA, New York, is there a different dating like pattern between the East Coast and the West Coast, or is it basically like I said earlier, people are people at the end of the day? I I mean I think that both the cities are similar. The one difference, I guess, I could say a little bit in Los Angeles is that there seems to be a much bigger age disparity sometimes. Mm. So I feel like... That's why I said what I said. In New York, people do have a certain limit of the age difference that they're willing to entertain. Okay. Out here, it seems like there are men who are in their 50s who are going out with women in their 20s. 50s, you know, try 70s going out with women well, in their 20s. Well, that, that I can't even listen to. Yeah. So, you know, that's that I, I have to draw the line somewhere. But I do have men who are in their 50s who come to me and say they want to go out with men with women in their 20s. Um, I think that that's, you know, a little extreme. Um, I try to give people exactly what they want. But if I don't really believe in it and I don't really understand it, then I can't do it. So, I mean, I do turn down clients because I don't think that they're being realistic on what's happening. You know, I love when people come and sit with me and they're, well, I'm 57, but I don't seem 57. You're sitting right in front of me, seem pretty well 57 to me. (laughs) Okay, fine. I'll I'll give you, I'll I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. 55, you know, and they sit there and they think that they don't seem it, but they seem it. I mean, yeah, they don't look like my grandfather, but I mean, you know, they, they still seem like a man in their fifties. And so own it and say, I'm a man in my fifties, but I like younger women or I get along with them or younger women seem to like me or whatever it is, but don't tell me, oh, you seem like another age. You really don't. Right, right, right. You know? I think that people's perceptions of themselves sometimes could be skewed, right? I oh, think yeah. People aren't really... And that's, and that's what, what they, I want to talk about in my seminar for people to understand who they are and who they're not and really to be realistic about the part that they're playing in dating and how they can put their best foot forward and what is their dating detractor. Like what's that thing mm-hmm. that's making the other sex not be attracted to them? And how can you finesse it a little bit so that that's not an issue? Like take for example, and I'll probably get a lot of slack from this, but take for example the women who always have to bring their dog everywhere they go. Right. <laughs> right? Yes. That is a problem oh, for a you. lot of men. Now, that doesn't mean that the man isn't a dog lover. That doesn't mean that the man doesn't want to have a dog. But the man doesn't want to date a dog. The right. do- man does not want to have to think <laughs> about what restaurant is he going to that's dog-friendly. Make sure that there's a table outside for the dog. Make sure that the, that the restaurant has a little bowl so that the dog can eat. Then they're going away for a romantic weekend. 
The woman needs to bring the dog. There's only certain hotels that will allow for dogs. You have to make arrangements for them on the plane. Do they have a babysitter? Is there a kennel? Blah, blah, blah. Right. You know, so I say to these women, you can't have sex with your dog and you can't marry your dog. (laughs) So if you actually want to get married and you want to be in a real relationship, you got to leave the dog home. Like, I know you love your dog, but that is causing issues for you in the dating world. Oh, I think, okay, I agree. I have to say this, and I I will wrap it up, but there's been so many times with my guy friends, again, where they're like, they're like, I went out with this chick or this girl, and she brought a fucking dog. That's right. I mean, like, what? Seriously? Mm -hmm. Like, and they're so obsessed with the dog. The dog has basically become their baby. Right, their baby, exactly. Or sometimes they're pushing them in the stroller. Yeah, they're pushing them in the stroller. I'm like, okay, no, no. Because men will see that, and they think that that is frigging loony tunes, right? Exactly. I think, see, 100%. We have a guy in the studio who's clapping in the the background. The camera dude uh, claps. And I think a lot of people don't like to hear certain things that are about just themselves. What, yeah, That's right. Which is real. Like I'm going to get maybe, maybe a few people saying, I can't believe you said this about this or that about that. But I'm just saying what I, it's a, my opinion. And I think you've got to call the spade a spade right. just because I may not feel that way or you may not feel that way. Psycho, like psychologically people's brains go somewhere, even like subliminally. And I think, you know, like I, yeah, guy, that happens. Like oh, I've heard that happen so many times. Right, with these and women. there's and there's endless number of things that people do or that people have in their persona that they don't understand is a turnoff. Yes, so many things, and so that's what I want to talk about. I want to get cl- up close and personal with people and say, okay, what's going on with you? And then dissect it and say, this is how you're going to fix it. Here's your action item of how it's going to change. And if they start making changes in their self so that they feel really good about themselves and that they recognize that this might be a problem in their dating, then they're going to see different results. And that's what I really want to start helping people, no, I, men I, and women. I what, mean, they both have it. Believe absolutely. Me. Believe me. I agree. Uh, let's wrap it up with saying, can you give us some good habits people can start doing to maybe meet, meet Mr. Right or Mrs. Right that they can kind of partake and just basically implement on their own? Sure. Well, I'll, I'll give two action items okay. for anybody who's listening, who is interested in meeting a new person. First of all, in the next, let's call it two weeks, you have to accept an invitation to go someplace that you don't want to go. So someplace that's outside your comfort zone that you wouldn't usually go because you think to yourself, that's not for me. You need to accept that invitation. And the second thing is, is that you have to revisit some of your exes, right? People evolve in their personalities and people evolve in their lives. And so you might've gone out with a guy or a girl five, seven years ago, they might've been unsettled or they might not have been available or you might not have been available. So you need to think back on those people because if you were attracted to them initially, Mm. you could be attracted to them again. Now, if you know that they weren't for you, like you got involved with them and they were a disaster, like chances are that much didn't change. But if it was just like one date or even two dates, that person could be a real contender for you now. So why not give it another shot? That's a great piece of advice. That is because people (laughs) always go to, well, you know what? If it didn't work out the first time, then it's not going to work out the second. But no, because if you have, if you're growing and evolving as a human being. Which most people are trying to these days. Right. If you're trying, right. If you're trying to, then maybe you, you, you met the person at the wrong time for your, for, for you. 
and they could be the right person at the right time now. That's a great piece of advice. Well, that's like the sliding doors theory. Yes. You never know which direction you're going to go. And so if you go one direction one day, it's very different from another day. So I say, go through the other door. You know, yeah. see what could happen with somebody. It can't hurt. I mean, you're giving strangers basically a chance on all these dating apps or friends are introducing you to friends, that sort of thing. Um, why not, you know, give somebody from your past a chance? So those are your two action items if you want to meet somebody. That's, those or are If you want ones. to try to meet somebody. It's a little different. I mean, I try to give advice that's a little different. I try to make my advice be real and helpful um, and actionable. Yeah. And I also try to give a little tough love because what you need to do is you need to find somebody in your life who's going to be really honest with you because one of the biggest problems I see with women is that women surround themselves with other women who just kiss their ass. And their friends are not that honest with them about what they're doing wrong in their dating. You need to have somebody in your life. I call it your bitchiest best friend. You have to have your bitchiest <laughs> best friend who is going to read you the riot act if you're not doing the right thing. I love that. We call it in my world an accountability partner. Someone who keeps you accountable for your actions. Right. Um, but I like the bitch. Your, what is it called? Your, your, your bitch, bitchiest best your friend. Your bitchiest best I'm tra- friend. I've trademarked it. So. I lo- you have? <laughs> yeah. That's a great one. Thanks. These are like some really nice nuggets, Samantha. Your bitchiest, ha- always have your bitchiest best friend uh, who keeps you accountable. Um, obviously, go somewhere out of your comfort zone and basically visit uh, exes or people you've went out with in the past. I'm just like, kind of like, you know, just kind of like, rap, like, fit, like, what do you call it? Rounding it all up. Uh, visit exes in your past because you might be, they may be Mr. or Mrs. right now. That's right. Not right now, right forever. Right forever. It's That's not right. the right now. You're not looking for right now. You're looking for right forever. Right forever. You've been great. Thank you. Thank it was you so much. a lot of much. fun. I love this. No, thank you. You gave some really great information. Thank so you. tell people if they want to hear more about you or read your book, Matchbook. So my book is Matchbook, The Diary of a Modern Day Matchmaker. It's a really fun read. It's like Sex in the City meets Bridget Jones' Diary. And if you want to find more information about me, my website is samanthastable.com. You can sign up for my emails, which I send out once a week with dating tips and advice. And you can check back to find out about my uh, seminar, which I'd love for you all to join. And yeah, if you're single, even if you're not single and you're curious, I mean, you have single friends, you can watch, you can listen, you can learn, and then you can pass it on Casey to your single will, friends. Will sign up. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> oh yeah. And would you have Instagram or yes, Facebook? my my Instagram is at matchmaker sd. So s is in Samantha, d is in Daniel. So I'd love for you to follow me. I do lots of fun videos and go out to cool events looking for single people, and I put up a lot of matchmaking alerts where I talk about the kind of people that I'm working with. And the kind of people I'm looking for as matches for them. So awesome. that's always really fun. So hope to see you. Thank you so much, Samantha. You're welcome, it's been really Jen. Fun. It was great. Thank you. Say bye-bye. Bye-bye. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world, and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests. 
like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's gonna push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously, which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you wanna learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join Podcast Royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.